1: Whenever you are, welcome, good souls of the planet and beyond, to Paranormal Now. I'm Alan B. Smith. Join us as we traverse the cosmic highway of paranormal portals and tantalizing turnoffs. Tonight's guest is Sky Alexander, who will take us on a metaphysical sojourn through the stars and planets for a cosmic spin of self-discovery. And if that wasn't enough exciting news tonight, joining me as a co-host is KGRA's very own AJ Rasmussen, the co the host of Soul Wanderings. And uh, she is coming on in just a minute. But as usual, um, a reminder as we go through the show, the whole two hours, share your thoughts and experiences with us during or after on Facebook.com slash Paranormal Now. On Instagram at Paranormal Now. Twitter at Paranormal underscore now. And of course, join us in the KGRA chat room and share your thoughts and questions for the guests. Um, A really quick news update on the Tom Reed UFO Monument Park. I know a lot of you are interested in this. You're following this. Um, Some of you may have heard, uh, Tom Reed did let us know that he has retained a lawyer um, at a large and reputable firm of Cohen, Norris, Wolmer, Ray, Telpman, and Cohen. Uh, so my understanding is that what is happening is that what happened is that the, the town administrator of Sheffield, Rhonda uh, Sheffields, uh, apparently had the monument installed without proper authority in 2015. So it appears Rhonda may have been covering her tracks in this regard, which has led to all the confusion um, and the removal of the monuments and more, which has been um, devastating to the community. So obviously this is a historical monument. It's of great interest and concern to the ufological community. Um, I'll keep you posted when I can. But of course, if you just go to Facebook, you can find Tom Reed um, or KGRA or Power Normal Now, and I'm sure you'll find updates um, as we go. And of course, next week and so on, I will I will continue the story as long as it's running. Hopefully, you know we'll get this settled and we'll get the monuments put back uh, because it was it was such a beautiful quaint sight. It's just such a shame that there has to be this un- unimportant back and forth between the township and um, those who have you know an invested interest in sharing this historical. Um, monument. So anyway, we'll continue that next week. Um, Again, keep an eye on social media. And AJ, welcome to Paranormal Now.
2: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
1: Yeah, thanks for for joining me. Um, As those of you who have followed Paranormal Now know, on occasion I'll have a co-host just join me and uh, we just have a roundtable conversation and we just enjoy the topics that we all share and love um, with you. And tonight we get to do that with Sky Alexander. Um, She is the author of more than 40 fictional and uh, fiction and nonfiction books, including magical astrology, which we'll be focusing on today. Um, she's also an astrologer, tarot reader, feng shui practitioner, artist, and witch. Hi, Sky. How are you?
3: I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on tonight. Great yeah. to talk with
1: you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, so here's the thing. I'll just lay it out for you right off the bat. I I love uh, the idea of astrology, and I'm I'm fascinated by it. Uh, But I really do struggle with really grasping and understanding it. So I'll just let you know where I'm coming from, from the top of the show. Um, uh, AJ, are you familiar with astrology?
2: I'm familiar to a certain degree. Definitely not on the same level as sky. But I work with people who are really into it. So I hear a lot about it. And I'm familiar with like sun signs and moon signs and things like that. So cool. I'm excited.
1: Yeah. (laughs) This that will be, be fun. Yeah, that's what I thought. So um, that will help me along this journey as well. And then, as we said earlier in the KGRA chat room, if you have questions for Sky um, or any of us, please uh, post them there. Uh, so, Sky, let's let's start from the very beginning, shall we? Um, okay. How did you get involved with anything even remotely metaphysical in the first place?
3: Well, I think the earliest. Um, experiences i had were when i was about 11 my mother and i participated in an esp experiment that was being conducted by duke university at that time and that really got me intrigued about various things that were beyond the normal so to speak uh and then, from there on, I just um, started exploring everything. I read my first astrology book when I was about eleven, and I've always been fascinated by things outside of the uh, the usual constrictions, if you will mm. so. Uh, I really started seriously studying astrology, however, in the mid-1970s, I guess, when I married a guy who was also interested in astrology, and we explored it together for many, many years, and I took it further than he did. Um, And then the other things all started to fall into place. Thoreau has many things associated with astrology and numerology as well, and so one thing led to another. And I'm still at it.
1: Is it is it almost like learning a new religion? Like what? Not to draw an exact parallel there, but is that what it kind of feels like as you as you're beginning that process of of breaking it down and understanding it?
3: You mean studying astrology?
4: Yeah, yeah.
3: I wouldn't link it with a religion because it need not have any uh, religious or spiritual connection whatsoever. I think it does, however, mean that you need to learn a new language, mm-hmm. a new perspective on how uh, we understand our position here on Earth and in relationship to the cosmos, and how we relate to each other. And it does give us tremendous insight, not only into each other, but into events that are going on in our world and things that are likely to happen in the future, and to also gain greater uh, understanding of things that have happened in the past and how those are likely to repeat themselves.
1: So, it's not just about learning about, you know, who you're going to marry. And,
3: no, not at all.
1: And your so, fortune and so forth. Um, no,
3: most people think astrology is just the stuff they read online or in a, you know, a magazine or a newspaper or something like that, which is just for fun. It's sort of like... Uh, reading your fortune in a Chinese fortune cookie. But astrology is hugely uh, um, complex and in-depth and has many, nice. many, many applications beyond what most of us think of. Yes, we think of it as being able, uh, enabling us to understand ourselves, our friends, our loved ones, our families, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, more in-depth. And yes, it certainly is valuable for that. But it can also be used for um, medical purposes, for financial investments, um, to predict political cycles or football game wins. Or I used to use it to work with police to solve crimes. There are infinite number of, of different ways you can use astrology.
1: Yeah, well, that, that's really interesting, solving crimes. Um, and mm-hmm. you've had success doing this? Pardon me? Have you had success doing this?
3: Yes, I did have success doing it. My um, the thing that I would the case that I worked on that was most gratifying for me was with a woman in Florida whose daughter, at age three, had been abducted, and she'd spent two years working with private investigators and police, et cetera, et cetera, to try to find her daughter. And when she finally consulted me, out of I guess a sense of desperation, because she tried everything else. I was able, by doing um, different types of astrological charts, to see where I believed her daughter was. And I was using a type of astrology called horary, H-O-R-A-R-Y, which is not terribly popular in the U.S., more so in England. But I was able, by using that type of astrology, to locate where her daughter was, and she got her back. And that was just so rewarding to me that... um, Not only did it work, but that she was reunited after all this time with her daughter again. So, yeah, it does work.
2: That is incredible.
3: Not all stories, however, are that happy. I mean, a lot of the stories that I, or a lot of the cases I worked on, um, you know, ended up with people dead or, you know, other things that were not necessarily so positive. But that one I really liked so much that I wanted to share it with you.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. I guess it's sort of that, that idea of, of fate, right? Because you're using your techniques, and we and we can get into that a little bit later, um, to help something or solve a problem, but if you use them and you aren't necessarily able to solve a problem, is that because it's just already set in stone? Um, hmm. Well,
3: I think that sometimes problems are not fully evolved yet onto the physical plane. That may be one reason Mm -hmm. they are still pending. We do have free will in connection with fate, in my opinion, at least that we, we have, um, things that are inclined to happen, but they, we still have the ability to change how those things evolve. It's not necessarily hard and fast Uh, and immutable. So I think that that's probably part of the reason that sometimes... uh, Let me give you an example. Um, Astrologers look at not only what we've been talking about with sun signs, moon signs, etc., but we look at where the planets are in the cosmos at this particular time and how they are influencing us here on Earth right now. And as they continue to move, things continue to change, not only in our personal lives, but in the larger uh, perspective. Okay, so let's go back to um, a time in 1995 when Pluto went into the sign of Sagittarius. Now, that means Pluto was moving through the sky and it moved into the position in the cosmos where we see uh, the sign of Uh, At that time, Sagittarius. Now, astrologers for a very, very long time could look at this movement, and we could see that something major was going to happen. It always happens big time when Pluto gets there. And we knew it was going to involve communications, particularly on a worldwide scale, and knowledge being shared on a large, large scale. And what we got was the Internet. Now, of course, we couldn't have known that back in 1950 yeah. or back in, you know, 1820 or whatever. We could look at the general picture and know that something like this was going to happen, but we could never have envisioned the Internet. So that's why I'm saying that fate is um, is only part of it, but also how we develop it, how we work with it, and how we interpret it.
1: Is it, is it fair to make an analogy like, I don't know, like fate, is a current, um, but if you have a boat, you can kind of navigate that current per- current differently. You can make some choice within it. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, and I think that's a, a good analogy. Um, I do think that fate is is more than that, but I think that 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 gives us a you know a, an image that we can follow to get some understanding of what we're talking about here, yeah,
4: yeah.
1: All right, so I'm I'm fascinated by you said uh, that you're a witch, correct?
3: Excuse me say that again please. A uh, witch? Yeah.
1: And what what is the definition for you of that?
3: I think of it as someone who uses her own or his own power and yes there are male witches too and they're not called warlocks that means liar. <laughs> no <they're not>. <laughs> <laughs> Males are witches also. Okay. Um But, yeah, it's someone who uses his or her powers in connection with cosmic powers, divine powers, whatever you want to think of them, Mm. earthly energies, to manipulate forces to create an outcome.
4: Mm.
3: So that you... It comes from an old English word, W-I-C-C-E, wish, which means to Mm. bend or shape. And what we do is we use our minds, our intentions, our emotions and other implements and things in our environments that help us to strengthen that to create some sort of consciously determined outcome. Okay. What kind
2: of of witch would you consider yourself to be?
3: Well, I pretty much follow um, a Wiccan path. Now, the difference here is that Wicca is a belief system. It's a religion. It's actually um, recognized even by the armed forces of the U.S. You can have Wicca on your dog tag if you want. Um, So it is a belief system, and it's a relatively new belief system, Um, pretty much established back in the 50s, 1950s, but it's based on very old traditions from uh, Northern Europe and, ireland the british isles and other places so that's what wicca is and a lot of people confuse it witchcraft is the practice of bending and shaping energy to create outcomes and that practice can involve any belief system no belief system any religion no religion it Mm -hmm. is simply the methodology so um does that make sense
2: Yeah, absolutely. So you could be a solitary practitioner in that regard.
3: Sure. I am at this point a solitary practitioner. I have worked with um, large groups of like-minded individuals in the past. I lived in Salem, Massachusetts for eight years, where I guess probably 95% of the populace now is, is, you know, witches. But um, yeah, you can, a lot of people are solitary and you can be solitary for a while. You can work with a group. You can work with a partner, which I have done in the past two, worked with one um, you know, intimate partner. Um, and you can go back and forth depending upon what suits your needs at any given time. Yeah.
4: Yes.
1: Yeah, so you don't have to be part of a coven per se.
3: You don't. It has advantages and disadvantages. The advantages are that you have Um, friends, like-minded people with whom you can celebrate holidays, with whom you can share ideas and do uh, readings and participate in whatever sorts of um, practices or projects or endeavors that you want to participate in, and that's a fine thing because some of us, like I now live in the heart of Texas in a very conservative uh, Christian community where there aren't a whole lot of people who are openly showing themselves as witches, although I know that there are many of us here who are kind of underground. I see. Um, So being in a coven gives you a support group. It's your family on a spiritual level, and um, that can be a real advantage. But you also have to deal with the complexities of being in a coven and the restrictions and the responsibilities, just as you would in a family. So it's up to the individual. And one thing may work for you for a particular time and at another time it might not. And you want to go in another direction.
1: Is it, um, is it fair to say that you can be, you know, without a coven, right? Solo, um, in any religion, you can practice Christianity or whatever. Uh, cause monks, right. They, they, they can go off and live in a cave. Um, And and worship God that way, none of us have to really belong to any particular organization, right?
3: That would be my opinion,
1: yes. Now, earlier you mentioned astrology, when we were talking about astrology, I think I heard you right, but I think you said that it's not necessarily a spiritual um, path, but is it spiritual to some degree,
3: I think it depends on the individuals practicing it. I see it as a spiritual path, Mm -hmm. but it need not be, and you need not have any particular religious uh, or spiritual path in order to practice astrology, to study it, to use it in your business, use it in your personal life, use it in your financial life, whatever that happens to be. I see it as spiritual because I see everything as spiritual, and I see everything is connected. The cosmos, the earth, all of us, the animals, everything to me is connected. So I can't separate one thing from another in my own personal life. Mm-hmm. But you certainly do not need to have any particular um, religious affiliation or any particular spiritual path that you follow in order to use astrology.
4: Yeah, it
2: definitely pertains to everyone.
1: I think that's true. Um, and, you know, I've I've dabbled in all kinds of things, right? Um, but I've never dabbled much in the way of, of witchcraft. Um, there actually was a time when I was younger and I was very interested in it. Uh, but I just never really went down, down that road. Um, AJ, have you ever uh, dabbled yeah. in that at all?
2: Well, I am a solitary practitioner. You are?
1: Um, oh, okay.
2: Yes. It's not something that you go out and tell everybody, but it's a <laughs> title. It's a title that you're given because of the practices you have,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: so I mean, literally, that's what I would be considered.
3: Yes.
1: Okay, that's mm-hmm. really interesting. Yeah, you I might know be that.
3: surprised to find out who you know, uh, like like you just found out that she's a solitary practitioner, mm-hmm. but you might find that a lot of us. Um, are pretty ordinary-looking people. I mean, the person who does your hair or fixes your car <laughs> might be a witch. You just don't know it because I, I walked into a place uh, last week that is um, becoming a witch witchy center, a metaphysical center. Mm-hmm. And the woman was so surprised when I showed her some of my books. She said, gosh, she look so ordinary. <laughs> I said, yeah, what did you expect? Pointy hat, big nose, warts, or what?
2: Right, right. Yeah. We. We dress up every day of the year, except for on Halloween. We get to be ourselves.
1: That's (laughs) that's so funny. Um, So if one does decide to become a witch, one does not have to wear 90s goth garb.
3: No. You <laughs> don't have to do anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we don't have a lot of dogma, okay?
1: <laughs> For everybody listening, don't worry about that. You're good to go. You can wear whatever you want. Um, right. And it's, it's all about being true to yourself, then, right? I mean, because I, I know a friend of mine, um, I forget how it goes exactly. Um, I think it was a Gardnerian um, saying, uh, but it's essentially the golden rule, but there's a, a variation on that that uh, Wicca shares. Um, yes, it is
3: pretty much. Do no harm. Period.
1: Yes, do just just do no harm.
3: Yeah. Now That's this true. is Wiccan. However, there are huh. many many schools of witchcraft, which I want to separate from Wicca. Sure. Wicca is only one, and it does not encompass every you know everything else. So other traditions may not have that same do not harm um, belief that I have.
1: Okay. Um, so you're saying that because it's a dogmatic, free um, spiritual path or religion, then anyone can, can ver- change the rules if they, if, at, at a whim, right? They don't have to abide by anything. Okay.
3: Well, I, I think other than the fact that you have to ultimately abide by cosmic law, And so you can make decisions, as people do, of every belief system. Mm -hmm. You know, Christians, Jews, uh, Muslims, whatever, they may make personal decisions, but they're still going to be ultimately abiding in the end by, uh, or they're going to be called uh, to account for, in my opinion, by, you know, how how does this relate to cosmic law? How does this relate to natural law?
2: Right. I, I, there, there are several, uh, if you want to call them covens or groups, that do practice the darker stuff. But when you are waking personally, def- no, I'm just saying there are darker covens. There are people who sure. choose to sure. go darker. Um,
1: yeah. Well, you know, let's let's hold it there because we're right up at the break. Um, okay. So we, c- we can continue this conversation. We'll find out more about the light and the dark with Sky Alexander and my co-host, AJ and um, hang in there, we'll be right back. Alan B. Smith for Power Normal Now on KGRA.
5: Balance of Nature's fruit and veggie capsules contain 100% fine-ripened fruits and vegetables, tested pure, with no pesticides, fillers, or additives of any
2: kind, and are the most effective whole food supplements on the market today. You might ask, how can
5: over 10 servings of 31 different fruits and vegetables fit into 6 vegetarian capsules? Fruits and vegetables are on an average 85% water. Balance of Nature uses cold vacuum technology to remove the water, leaving only the whole food. We don't use any heat, air, or light drying methods that damage nutrients. Our cold vacuum technology maintains 99% of the fresh fruits and vegetables' original nutritional value. Along with diet and exercise, Mother Nature provides fruits and vegetables to help us maintain good health.
0: To order, go to balanceofnature.com or call one 800 246 That's one 800 246 and use discount code TOP. On the next episode of Recipes for Disaster.
5: So we've got our neighbor Paul coming over tonight for a barbecue, which is why I prepared a delicious lemon-rosemary steak marinade for my special collection of old family recipes.
6: That's when a sudden bout of food poisoning made it explicitly clear that profits weren't the only thing on the rise. Watch Recipes for Disaster at foodsafety.gov. You'll learn the right steps as Maria does everything wrong. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council.
2: Hi, it's AJ from Vibes, Mind, Body, Spirit. Have you been searching for unique items to create or add to your sacred space? What about tools for your holistic healing or those one-of-a-kind magical ingredients to manifest your desires? Well, look no more because Vibes has a variety of items to assist you in your spiritual journey. From crystals to candles, incense to books, tapestries to jewelry, onlinevibes.com has what you're seeking. We even have some thoughtful and mindful gifts to share with your friends and family too. Visit us at OnlineVibes.com from the comfort of your home or give us a call at 385-244-1099 to have your order beautifully packaged and sent directly to you or a loved one. And right now, take advantage of the coupon code KGRA at checkout to receive 15% off any order. Remember, OnlineVibes.com.
7: This is Richard Dolan, and I want to brag for just a second about the incredible authors I publish under Richard Dolan Press, some of the most innovative and well-researched books in the field of UFOs and beyond that you'll find anywhere in the world. Incredible UFO encounters, the cover-up, the experiences by ordinary people, Russian UFOs, psychic phenomena, consciousness, synchronicities, and owls. Yeah, it's all there, and it's all fascinating reading, because I would never publish a book that isn't. To learn more, go to richarddolanpress.com
8: Your contact for current news and trending topics. KGRA radio.com.
1: Welcome back to Paranormal Now. This is Alan B. Smith and my co-host, AJ Rasmussen. And we are with our guest tonight, Sky Alexander. And we are talking about witchcraft. And we are talking about astrology. And we're talking about magic. And we're talking about spirituality. And we're talking about, hopefully, how we can learn to live better lives and maybe use the tools of the cosmos to do that. Um, We'll spend more time getting into that. But uh, during the break... AJ had mentioned a number of books by Alexander uh, Sky Alexander, and I thought, you know, that's a that's a really good idea. Let's let let me just read some of these books for you, just to give you a better sense of her expertise. Um, Modern Witchcraft Spellbook, Modern Guide to Witchcraft, Witches, Covens, and Spells. Um, Sky Alexander, The Secret War of Spirit Animals. Uh, Sky Alexander, Deadly Duos. That's uh, more of a uh, fiction work. Uh, mermaids the myths legends and lore fairies the myths legends and lore unicorns the myths legends and lore meditate a guided journal self-care for life and i can go on and on and on and on um so she has quite a bit of knowledge to impart on us tonight so i hope that you'll stay with us through the entire show i'm sure it's going to be a fantastic one um so we were talking about the light and the dark side of witchcraft uh so sky um How does one differentiate between the light and the dark? Um, Does one choose or does one one find a gray area? How does that work?
3: Okay, I will give you my definition, which not everybody will agree with. But in my opinion, white magic is connecting with or your intention is to connect with the spirit realm in order to gain knowledge inspiration, um, and just to make a deeper connection with the cosmos and with the higher realms of experience. Grey magic is where most of us do our work. Grey magic is not bad. It simply is using our talents, our intentions, our abilities, and the forces of nature and other things around us to create outcomes usually to benefit us, whether that's for healing, for uh, attracting abundance, for bringing love into our lives, whatever. But there are things that we do magic for in order to produce desired results in the mundane world. Black magic is something that's done to harm someone else, and that's the way I see it. So most of what witches do and what most magic practice, do is gray magic. Nothing wrong with that. And we may blend things. I mean, I blend white magic with gray magic all the time. I do not attempt to ever do black magic. I won't say I never have done that, mm-hmm. because black magic can also involve manipulating someone or trying to force someone to do something that might go against his or her own personal will. Right. And I would have to say that most people have probably done that at some time or another. Love spells are the places where most people go awry. Mm. Um, But the idea is that everything that you do comes back to you. And we are all connected so that everything we put out there is also going to be felt by us. So if you look at it from that perspective, why would you want to do something to harm someone else? It's just going to come back to you anyway.
1: Right, I guess, but um, I assume that when someone is trying to do a love spell because it's, quote, love, you can sort of justify it as something good or or maybe they convince themselves that. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) But it doesn't necessarily Um, make it a good thing you're
3: Not necessarily. It also does not mean that it's not going to rebound on you. Okay, let's say, for example, that you've got your sights set on some hot guy that you really want, and you do a spell to attract him um, or or her, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that person, by doing this spell, may be locked into you. You find out later on, wow, I didn't really know this about this person. I'm not really happy in this relationship. I really wish I hadn't gotten myself into this mess in the first place. And then it's hard to break that connection. You'd be better off doing a spell to attract somebody who's right for you in every way and with whom you are right for him or her and with whom you can be happy. And just leave it up to the universe to bring that person to you.
1: Is that sort of like the power of intention or?
3: Yeah, it's all about intention. and does... all magic. That
1: intention. But that's the thing. Okay, so and you
2: don't it, want to take away someone's free wills. Essentially, what she's saying,
1: right? Right. So, I mean, AJ, what do you? How do you feel about this too? Because I'm wondering, is intention itself? If I intend to do something, um, it, it matters the context of it, right? So, if I, if I intend to get a good job, if I intend to uh, woo someone, right, that I love, not. Not put a spell on them, but to woo them, right? So, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Uh, and is that, is that magic? That. Am, I, am I actually using magic by doing that?
2: I feel like that's your intention on wishing for a desired outcome. Uh-huh. When you actually create a spell, you're taking away their free will for them to choose for themselves.
1: I see. Okay. And then what about okay, just everyday? Okay, let
3: me intent- ask you a question here, may I? Sure, yeah. If do you feel that the other person then has the ability to accept or reject the invitation, if you will, that you put out there for him or her?
2: I think anyone can choose for themselves, yes. But when you're working with magic, I mm-hmm. feel if you're, if you're doing a love spell, like you were saying, you are creating that energy around them to fall in love with you. But so you're working from a place of ego anyway, which is never a good foundation to begin with.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You're, you're taking away their free will. Yes, they can choose, but they have that extra energy that's surrounding them to choose something that they may have not have chose in their own solid state without that spell.
3: Yeah, and that's why I don't recommend focusing uh, a spell on a particular individual but rather allowing um, our higher selves or divine will or whatever you want to call it to attract the person who's right for you without actually focusing that intent on a particular person. Is that what you're saying to
2: Yes, I agree. It goes back to you saying do no harm. That creates Mm -hmm. harm when you take away someone's free will. Mm Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and we have to respect each other's free will exactly. and our right to do whatever we choose to do and to learn from that experience. And we will attract, in my opinion, the people who are right for us, the teachers that we need, the lovers we, we will benefit from, and on and on, if we open ourselves to that and allow ourselves to be guided. Is that what you're thinking yes. too?
2: Uh, absolutely,
1: yes. Is it akin to someone praying, right, and saying, uh, God, please show me the, the path, or, you know, your will, not mine. Is it is it kind of like that?
3: I think it's a combination of, does your will and my will blend? Mm-hmm. Are we right for each other? Is what we are attempting to do, whether it's in a workplace environment, whether it's in a spiritual path, whether it's in a love relationship, are we suited to each other at this particular time to blend our energies, our knowledge, our intentions, and our will and our abilities to make this happen in a way that will benefit all concerned.
4: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And so it's not necessarily... One doesn't go with the other. Astrology and witchcraft, right?
3: They can, and I in my book, Magical Astrology, I do bring both of those together. That's part of the point of that book, is to show how, particularly through astrological timing, and earlier we were talking about some of the astrological cycles, but I was mostly focusing just on Pluto, but all of the planetary cycles um, generate energies and present us with possibilities that we can use magically to our advantage.
1: Right, so you can be an astrologer. Um, not necessarily doing magic, right? Um, But then you can blend these two together. Is it more effective, more revealing?
3: Well, uh, let me give you a real easy one that most people can understand, whether they know anything else about astrology or not. Mm -hmm. Moon cycles. We're all connected to uh, moon cycles. We're all aware of how um, not only... We perceive the moon in the sky, but most of us, whether we're aware of it or not, respond to the cycles of new and full moons, particularly. And um, I don't know if either of you have this experience, but a lot of people feel that they're more energized during the full moon. They have trouble sleeping. They um, may feel more spontaneous about buying stuff Um And during the new moon, they may feel a little bit lethargic or a little bit more withdrawn. So when you look at the moon cycles in terms of astrology, I I mean, not in terms of magic, using astrology in connection with magic, Mm -hmm. um, what we tend to do is see the waxing moon between the new and the full moon as a time of growth. And as the moon's light tends to increase, so do all of the things that we have put into place um, and that we want to grow. So let's say you want to grow a business or you want to grow a relationship or you want your finances to increase. You want to do a spell right after the new moon and during the time of growth between the new moon and the full moon, the plan is, the intention is, that your uh, whatever your intention was will grow along with the moon's light. Conversely, during the time of waning between the full moon and the new moon, when the moon is losing light, or it appears to be that way from our place on Earth, you want to set into place uh, magic spells for decrease or endings or limitations. So let's say you want to go on a weight loss program, for example, or you want to cut your expenditures in your job. That's the time to do um, a spell that will draw back and place limitations um, between the full moon and the new moon during the waning cycle. And anybody can do that. That's really easy. You don't have to know a whole lot about astrology to do that.
1: Well, that is. That's a nice nice plan of action that doesn't require me or a layperson to really understand the the mathematics of, of astrology. Nope, not at all. And do you have things like that that are uh, personal? Like, let's say you know you're working with one person, you say use this technique, or another person say use a different technique. Uh, You mean in terms of the moon
3: cycles?
1: Yeah, or as an example. But do you have other um, you know actions that people can take that just you would apply differently depending on the person? Well.
3: I look at the individual meanings of each of the planets, for example. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to do a love spell, for example, or a spell for any kind of relationship, it doesn't have to be romantic. It can be a relationship with my uh, financial consultant or it can be a relationship with my uh, therapist or whatever. Um, Any kind of one-to-one relationship, I would look at the cycles of Venus because Venus rules relationships. So though uh, looking for a positive um, position uh, of Venus would be a time that I would want to do any kind of relational spell love spells or otherwise um, if you were to let's say you wanted to create expansion in some area of your life or you were wanting to go on a spiritual quest or a, uh, trip around uh, trip around the world. You might look at Jupiter's cycles to see what were the best times for you to do that. Is is that kind of what you were thinking about? Yeah,
1: yeah, that was. Um, and I guess putting a love spell on your financial advisor would be really good for your portfolio.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Double whammy. <laughs> right.
1: Well, AJ, have you ever tried that in your in your business? Have well, you in
2: your- my, in my personal practice, I use astrology. Like, I'll ask someone who's very familiar, like, what they see in my chart because I'll have certain um, things come up in my experience or I'm wondering what's coming up for me. I'm amazed on how detailed charts can be and how often they change because the planets are always moving. My question, though, Sky, I'm curious. We have sun signs and moon signs. What do you think an individual is more like? you feel, I know we focus on the sun sign, but I know personally for me, I really relate with my moon sign. What's the moon sign? Capricorn, but I'm a Pisces sun.
3: Ah, okay. Um, Well, I think first of all, it depends on what area of life you're dealing with. The sun, in my opinion, I I refer to it as the present you and the outer you. It's what you present to the world, the way people see you uh, in the big picture and the way um, you you are more likely to express yourself not only in your business life perhaps, but also in terms of social interactions and that sort of thing. Your moon sign describes your personal deep, Family life, your love life, your uh, the part you don't necessarily show to the public. So, if you are looking for um, guidance, or you're doing a spell that involves your uh, you know your deep personal life, or your family life, or your heritage, or your love life, those sorts of things, I would look more at what's going on with my moon. And if mm-hmm. I were looking at my business side, or my social side, or um, the public image that I present.
1: I'd look more for the sun. Hmm. That's good to know. You see, AJ, even the question you asked, I wouldn't even know how, how to have asked that. Um the well,
2: life around it a lot.
1: Yeah, right, right. And that's why I'm glad <laughs> you're with, with me tonight, you know. Um <laughs> and, and for the record for everybody listening, um <laughs> I I kinda sandbagged AJ yesterday, last minute. I was like, hey, can you come on? And she was gracious enough to come on. And I had intended to invite AJ on much earlier when I knew Sky was coming on because I thought this would be a good um, pairing up. Uh, so thank you AJ for coming on. Yeah, it's
2: right. Yeah, I'm up- so glad you did. Thank yeah. you, Sky. I am as well.
1: Yeah, and and I'm learning quite a bit, and that's that's what I hope that this is for for others as well. You know, because sometimes when when we're doing these shows, um, it's never my job to be an expert on something. You know, even if it's ufology or whatever. I want people to tune in and listen and learn about things and hear them in a different way that, that they haven't. And I think that works best when we are enjoying and learning uh, from people like you, Sky. Yeah. And
3: isn't it fun?
1: It is. It's fantastic. And that's, <laughs> that. that's why I love the paranormal. That's why I love the, the platform and, you know, gracious to be on KGRA, uh, thankful to be on KGRA for that opportunity. Because for me, Personally, I really do, a large part of my soul thrives on the questions and the mysteries and, and learning um, these hidden mm-hmm. aspects of life.
3: And it's endless.
1: It, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It
2: yeah. definitely is. It mm-hmm. really is fascinating.
1: Yeah. So, Sky, yeah, what? One of, the
3: planets, one of the planets I wanted to mention that we haven't sure. talked about here um, is Mercury. And I know you guys are familiar with Mercury retrograde. You've oh, certainly heard definitely. about it.
2: Definitely. Yes.
3: Yeah? Okay. And in terms of, for, for your listeners who aren't familiar with Mercury retrograde, um, it happens for three weeks uh, every four months, and the next one is coming up on the 8th of July for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And what happens, Mercury is the planet of communication, so it pretty much affects everything. So if you're doing spell work, that's a factor. If you're doing investing, that's a factor. If you're doing communicating with your family, your loved ones, um, your business colleagues, if you're traveling, everything is affected by Mercury. So, Wake goes retrograde, what that means is when we are standing here on Earth looking at the sky and we see the planet Mercury, it appears to be moving backward. In its orbit it isn't really it's an optical illusion but that's what it looks like and what it means in terms of how this interprets in our daily lives is that everything gets messed up <laughs> communication goes awry. We don't understand contracts. We miss the fine print. We don't say the right things to the people we need to say the right things to. We forget to get our car serviced before we go on a trip. We don't check our bags and they get lost, yada, yada, yada. Everything is up for grabs here. So um, I think that that is one of the things that many people Really need to pay attention to, and it's easy to find online. You can just put in Mercury Retrograde and it'll show you all the dates. And I would like to urge um, all of your listeners to pay attention to that because I've seen people who had uh, terrible medical diagnoses that were handed down during Mercury Retrograde only to find out that they had an allergy re- reaction to a particular drug they were taking. and they were, you know the doctors were saying, you need open heart surgery. So, um, I would suggest that that's something that all of your listeners might want to learn a little bit about. And you don't have to learn a whole lot. Just know that pay really close attention to everything. Read the fine print. Talk uh, with, with people with a real conscious intent to be clear and, you know, just cover your bases.
1: Yeah. See, now here's the thing. Someone uh, was reading to me about the Mercury retrograde and i kind of get it but then i think like all right so what happens if you have let's say an opportunity or a job interview um and it's in the field of communications or something akin to that you can't avoid it right because sometimes the suggestion is oh if you can avoid it don't make that kind of decision during this period right um but sometimes you can't help it so what do you do when you when you're kind of stuck in that position
3: yeah, we can't all go on retreat for three weeks every four months, nice right. as that might be. Um, what I recommend so is that people nice. be aware that this is going on, that you may be m- more likely to get your signals crossed. Um, you know, be much more careful about re- writing and reading contracts. Like, I would not make a major person. I wouldn't buy a house, for example, under Mercury retrograde. And when I make Contracts for writing books, I usually try to do it at another time when I'll be more Um, clear-headed. It's just really pay attention and do your homework and don't assume things and just be aware that you might not be as sharp as you usually are. But go sure, go on that job interview, just prepare more.
1: So just the awareness of it could be helpful to kind of sort of catch yourself in the moment and be extra vigilant.
2: It's a good time to practice meditation and grounding, if you ask me.
3: Yes, I agree. <laughs> this is a good
4: thing to
2: do too. Avoid the crazy.
1: <laughs> the crazy within you or some other people?
3: Just the energy. It's
1: the a energy. crazy oh, time, yeah.
3: And some people are more sensitive to it than others. If you happen to have mercury retrograde at the time you were born, so it's in your birth chart, mm-hmm. that for some people, it may mean you're much more sensitive to that cycle. And for others, it may mean, oh, well, I'm already comfortable with this. I've been living with it all my life, so no big deal.
1: So no big deal. Okay. Um, but that's con- a sort of conditioning, right? Conditioning oneself.
3: To- I think it's all just about being aware and being prepared and knowing mm-hmm. what you're up against. Just like if you were... Um, Let's say you are an athlete and you were playing a competition. Let's say you're in a tennis match. You're going to find out everything you can about your opponent, right? It's the same thing with Mercury Retrograde. Find out everything that you need to know about whatever situations you're likely to experience. Like you're taking a trip, you go into the airport, leave a couple extra hours, you know, in case um, your car breaks down or you get caught up in some kind of situation that delays you. Just put a little bit more effort into it and be prepared. That's, that's all. But it's, I think it's really important for people to pay attention to it. Cause I've seen it so many times, uh, over the last 40 years or so that I've been studying astrology yeah. that, you know, it, it really does hold true for me.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, when we get back from the other side of this uh, second break, I'd like to ask you, Sky, what are some of the most surprising experiences you had, um, Reading someone's chart and maybe helping them in their life, um, and maybe for yourself even, um, you know, something that was a surprisingly big um, assistance. To you or to them. Uh, this is Alan B. Smith for Paranormal Now. There's so much more to come. We have a wide array of metaphysical, magical topics to cover. Uh, my co host tonight is AJ Rasmussen from Soul Wanderings on KJRA Radio. And you can find out more about her also going to um, what's your website, AJ?
2: It's soulwanderings.com. But of course, you can also find my bio and everything on KGRAradio.com.
1: And what about vibes? What vibes
2: sounds? is online vibes V-I-B-E-Z dot com.
1: Okay, perfect. And then Sky, if you want to find out more about her, it's Sky S K Y E Alexander dot com. Alan B. Smith for Paranormal Now, hang in there. We will be right back.
8: A digital broadcasting station salt lake city utah van buren arkansas
0: you know food was different 60 years ago it was minimally processed free of pesticides it was nourishing and healthful for your body today gmos pesticides herbicides and heavy processing have depleted the nutrition of our food supply which takes a toll on our health and energy it's harder than ever to get the right nutrition that's what life change tea is meant to counteract Our specially blended, powerful herbal formulas can give you more energy without caffeine. It's a mild cleanse, a mild daily detox. A good detox can help revive and bring back the energy of your youth. GetTheTea.com is the website. It'll cleanse you from the inside out with this herbal proprietary formula. Go to GetTheTea.com. There's no fillers, no GMOs. It's organic. Not available in stores. You must go to their website, getthetea.com. And their supplements are a great way to maintain your health. Read the testimonials on the website. Go to getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com.
5: There are many sounds in your day-to-day life. There are sounds that wake you up. Sounds that make you smile. Sounds that energize you. And sounds that help you relax. But there are some sounds that can alert you to danger and can help save lives. Wireless emergency alerts, now on many mobile devices, use a unique sound and vibration to bring you information about severe weather events, amber alerts, or other emergencies in your area. With critical information from local sources you know and trust, you can be in the know, wherever you are. For more information, visit ready.gov alerts. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council.
7: This is Richard Dolan announcing a new exclusive content website, richarddolanmembers.com. I've been working on this for a long time. Unique weekly podcasts that you won't hear anywhere else. Fresh articles and blog posts. A special video series entitled Off the Cuff with Richard Dolan. Regular Ask Me Anything style live chat sessions and more. This is a full-featured member site where you will get my insights, my updates, and be able to interact directly with me. To learn more, go to richarddolanmembers.com.
8: Around the world for decades have come high strangeness reports of mysterious aerial lights, beams, animal mutilations, human abductions, secret space and military programs focused on an alien presence. One reporter of these Earth mysteries is Emmy award-winning TV producer, writer, and editor Linda Moulton Howe. She reports and edits the science, environment, and Real X-Files news website, earthfiles.com.
3: We are moving from the paradigm that we are alone in the universe to a new one in which we are not alone. And something out there is interacting with us, our animals and plant life, forcing glimpses of other realities upon us.
8: Linda has produced four large books about these phenomena with hundreds of color images and illustrations that reviewers such as New York Times best-selling author Jim Mars describes as an amazing accumulation of evidence. All her books, An Alien Harvest, The Two-Volume Glimpses of Other Realities, and Mysterious Lights and Crop Circles, along with documentaries, are available in the shop at earthfiles.com. Now you have the inside contact for alternative talk radio. The Planet KGRA Radio
1: now this is alan b smith your grateful host tonight my co-host is aj rasmussen and uh, we are talking with sky alexander there is a lot to cover um, but aj had pointed out that in the chat room i had missed a question by neutron Um, and the question for you sky from neutron is do you agree that there is no magic hocus pocus it's only magic when one doesn't understand um does that make sense to you
3: Well, let me clarify. When you say magic hocus-pocus, are you referring to things like sleight of hand and stage magic and that sort of thing?
1: Um, I think we're talking about real magic.
3: Yeah, okay, because I was going to say certainly stage magic is all hocus-pocus and it's all in fun. Mm -hmm. Um, The other question, hmm, that's a bigger question. I haven't really thought about that so much. Um, I do think that a lot of magic is unintentional. I think particularly people don't realize that they may be doing magic all the time, they're just not aware of it because they don't understand magic, they don't understand the principles, uh, and they may not have set an intention to do something. But let's say you are driving along the highway and some guy cuts you off, uh, pulls in front of you, and you swear at that person and curse him and wish something bad to happen to him, you're doing black magic. You don't realize it because you don't understand the concepts of black magic, and that may not be your intention, but you are still doing magic. So um, I wouldn't call it hocus-pocus, but I would say that a lot of magic is done unintentionally. Now, let me clarify here by saying the greater... Uh, the power you have developed through your magical practice, whether that's through working with it for a long time, through meditation, through spiritual development, whatever it happens to be, the greater your power, the more likely your intention is to come to pass. Uh, So you swear at this guy who cut you off in traffic, if you aren't particularly evolved in the magical field, maybe nothing will ever come of it. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, I wouldn't call it hocus pocus, but I would say that there is magic which is not necessarily um, well formed, well designed, and it and well executed.
1: Okay, I'm going to read a second part to that question from Neutron, which I'm I don't completely understand. So I th- hope that you will. Um, and it says. Um, Eos explained in the path in the tree of life between Kether slash crown and Bina slash understanding is the tarot card number one, the magician. Does that make sense to you?
3: Okay. First of all, I have to say I am not an expert in Kabbalah. Um, So I'm not really going to be able to address that Mm -hmm. uh, question. I would like to. I've tried a number of times to study Kabbalah, but at this time, it has still not resonated with me. So I apologize to your uh, the person who questioned, but I I just don't have the knowledge to respond to that.
1: Okay. And did you ever dabble in it yourself? Was it something of interest or just more of a passing?
3: I've I've read a few books, um, but I just don't know enough about Kabbalah to be able to you know intelligently react or respond to that person's question. Okay. apologies.
1: Uh, no, not at all. And the other question is, and this is in reference to our quick conversation during the break about uh, politics, perhaps. Um, can you please ask this is from Libertas? Can you please ask if she has recently charted anything pertinent to current events?
3: Well, yeah, a, a couple of things that I, I would like to say, and these are sort of big things, not Um, not necessarily what's going to happen day to day. I mean, I do have um, for example, the birth dates for all of the the Democratic uh, potentials here that are running for the race and so I can see uh, who is most likely to have major things that are likely to come up for them in the next year or two. Um, I can't tell you who's going to win that sort of thing, but Um, Yeah, one of the things that I think is important for us to look at, and once again, I'm going back to talk about Pluto a little bit, because Pluto is this uh, long-standing, long-term the planet takes a long time to go through its cycle, like 248 years, Mm -hmm. so it stays in a particular sign for a long time, and when it does, it really throws a tremendous amount of power, uh, much of it sort of on an undercurrent or um it's something that we don't necessarily have an awareness of during the time that it's happening um and this is one of the things that i want to look at right now which is that pluto has been in capricorn for quite a long time and saturn is there now too which has caused us to and not only us but also in europe britain etc um caused a resurgence of um Conservative religion, conservative politics, and escalated the, um, the the concentration of wealth amongst a few and the separation of powers and uh, between the top levels of our society and the lower levels. This is going on throughout the whole world. And this is because Pluto is in Capricorn, and it will be there until, let me just take a quick, look here and let you know Um, okay probably starting in about 2023 and then full time in Mm 2024 uh Pluto will move into Aquarius and we're much likely at that point to see a lot of changes and more interest in egalitarianism and independence we might see uh, a resurgence of sort of what we would refer to as more democratic, more leftist, more, um, unconventional ideas about how we are governing ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so those are some of the things that, um, may answer some questions for your, your listener. I'm not quite sure exactly what he or she was going for, but that's one of the big overviews that I'd like to share.
1: Yeah, that that's interesting. Um, is there a way to translate, how, how do you get to the this idea that conservatism is rising? Um, how does that, that translate backwards into astrology? Where, where do you find that?
3: Well, Capricorn is a sign of traditions and the past and uh, structures and everything that we would associate with conservative institutions and conservative thinking, which then moves into later the sign of Aquarius, which we consider to be more uh, adventurous, more forward-thinking, more egalitarian, more unconventional, rebellious, etc.
1: Okay. Um, As
3: Pluto moves through those, we see a tremendous amount of power, um, mostly, as I said, of a sort of unconscious subterranean nature almost that fuels these energies that are associated with the various astrological signs does that make sense
1: i, I yeah that does make sense to me and you had okay. mentioned the, the the growing gap between the the few richest and the rest of us that is still happening um, oh, yeah. that, it's been going on for for decades now um, mm-hmm. it, has anything changed in the stars, if you will, that are planets, that tells us that this will taper off at at some
4: point.
3: Soon. Yeah, it will taper off for sure. It will definitely change when Pluto moves into Aquarius,
4: and ah, I see. It may
3: change in a um, a nice way, or it could change in in a sense of a revolution. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is something though that will definitely shift and we are starting to see that a little bit we're starting to see the death throes really of some of these old ideas and um, I hope I'm not going to offend anybody in your audience but a lot of old white men who have been in control for a very very long time are you know having to open up the doors to people of, of color women and people of other belief systems and you know this is what will happen as Pluto moves into Aquarius, which is a sign of equality and egalitarianism and we're going to see this continue over the next four, five, six years.
1: Yeah, it's interesting they said that you didn't want to offend anybody or I hope they weren't offended by a bunch of old white men. (laughs) Um, But, you know, the X-Files You're not old, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, no. Um, my hair is is graying though, um, but thank goodness I have lighter hair, so you can't really tell. Um, <laughs> it's blending in. Um, but I grew up on the X Files, and That's that was favorite. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the Cabal, right? Just a bunch of old white men, and nobody got offended by that then. So why do people get offended by it now? It's it's odd to me. Yeah.
3: But it's time for us to open the doors to new ideas, and that's what is going to be inevitable as Pluto moves into Aquarius in the next four or five years. We're going to have to share the world with everybody else, and we're going to have to be uh, more open to a variety of ideas.
4: Mm
3: -hmm. And control is going to have to be given away from the few to the many.
1: So... What was the big thing about the dawning of the Age of Aquarius in my parents' generation? Yes. What, what was the hoopla about that? Why were they so excited? Because I'm not sure I, I, I get it. That's, I, I, that's, I, I, yeah.
3: What part aren't you getting?
1: Well, I, I guess they, there was this excitement that something positive was going to, to shift. And isn't that supposed to be happening soon?
3: Well, it's been happening for a while. All these shifts take a very long time, mm-hmm. um, and they don't happen overnight, and we gradually, you know, move into them, um, and we gradually shed the old stuff because human beings don't make changes very quickly. We don't like making changes. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's inevitable. It will happen, but it's going to to take a while and it you can certainly i i I don't know how old you are and how much you've seen in your lifetime but we can look back at um you know things like the the um civil rights movement for example Mm
4: -hmm.
3: you know before that the situation for black people in this country was very different from what it is now and if we go back to the last the you know, 1800s and certainly before 1920, things were much different for women than they are now. So, you know, it's it's a continual growth process, and sometimes it hurts.
1: Hmm. Um, speaking of, of growth process, uh, are you familiar with the show Stranger Things?
3: No, I don't have a TV. I haven't had TV for 20 years, oh, so I don't okay. know much about any shows
1: that are going on okay cuz i mean i feel like the topic of stranger things keeps popping up everywhere i go in the chat room yes. right mm-hmm. as we speak and i think it's a it's a fascinating show that sort of dabbles in what one might call magic right like a, a dark uh-huh. magic there's this world that's called the upside down world and basically that's the the dark evil side of all things um is, do you think that there is another dimension where things are just all dark magic?
3: I think there are many, many, many dimensions, and we don't even have a clue about how many there are. Um, some of them may be what you would call dark magic. Some would be... I, I, I don't even think I would limit it to that particular description, just that many other levels of existence are out there, and um, I think we interface with them a lot, even though we don't necessarily realize it. Like you were talking earlier about UFO experiences. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, in my opinion, is they, these are entities who exist in another dimension or another mm-hmm. uh, resonance, another level of existence. And sometimes we interact with them. Sometimes we can see them. I mean... The same with Bigfoot, the same with Loch Ness Monster, whatever.
1: So they they're, they could be coming from another dimension, you think? Like kind of crossing over or accessing hours?
3: I think of it as being like radio channels. So, um, you know, you can be on a discrete radio signal and be listening to a particular show But that doesn't mean that there aren't a whole lot of other shows going on at the same time simultaneously, and if you just shift your dial a little bit, you can go to another show. Oh, wow. I think it's the same way with Dimensions.
1: Well, you know, it's really interesting because in the show Stranger Things, one of the main characters, Elle, um, she does this sort of, I guess, meditation type of thing where she turns a TV on with static or a radio with just a static white noise, and then... Through that process, she's able to, I guess, remote view or see into other worlds or see other people. Um, and AJ, you know what I'm talking about, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of parallels in that show. I don't think that it was made by mistake by any means, not, not just for our entertainment. Yeah. There, there are messages being sent to us of different abilities and things that we are capable of doing and are experiencing.
1: Yeah, it's a good question, I Sky. Do you
2: say th- it so much?
1: Yeah, Sky. Do you think that there the, there is um, an agenda, if you will, in the media to sort of educate us about these other strange things?
3: I certainly hope so. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that we are certainly seeing, um, you know, input in that direction where things are being presented to us. I mean, one of the Probably most popular would be just the introduction of the Harry Potter stories, which mm-hmm. uh, brought a lot of people, kids and also adults, into an awareness of these. Or at least made, made people think about magic in a way that made it accessible. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think that there's definitely, um, well, let me put it this way. The idea sells. It's, it's quirky enough, it's intriguing enough, it's mysterious enough that people want to know more. And yeah. we all have uh, thoughts about this. We all have ideas about what magic is and are there other dimensions and are there other beings that live amongst us, et cetera, et cetera. And so I, I hope that the powers that be in the entertainment industry are yeah, sending us um, good stuff to look at that will engage us and
1: teach us at the same time. So do you think then there is some kind of government um, cabal that is aware of, of all this? And
3: Can't go there. I have no idea.
1: No idea. Okay. What's well, you never know. <laughs> well, you never know because people who dabble in or are experts in these various fields of the paranormal, um, sometimes they have conversations with just that person who might know or would know Um you know, so I didn't know if you had, you know, someone you bumped into and said, hey, this really is happening.
3: I'd really like to talk to that person. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> have him on your show.
1: I know. I've talked to a lot of people who have talked to those people, but I haven't uh-huh. talked to them myself. Um, AJ, do you have you ever done that sort of thing, Where, like remote viewing? Um, yes. Re- yeah? Yeah. You can even go online and find
3: rev- remote viewing site, and they have little um, practices that you can do to see if you can test your own remote viewing. Yeah, it's fun.
2: I haven't personally experienced remote viewing before. Uh, what you call astral traveling, I've had few ex- a few experiences that way,
4: mm-hmm.
2: but definitely not remote viewing. But I know there's. we're all capable of, of doing any of these things. It's all about strengthening our intuition and our third eye, our muscle, whatever you want to call it. We are all capable of being psychic. We're all capable of being magical. We're all capable of remote viewing, whatever that looks like.
3: So it's just about
2: training yourself and and learning how to do so.
3: Yeah, it's mostly just about opening yourself to the possibility and believing that that can happen.
4: I love yeah, I know. mean,
3: you do shamanic journeying to other uh, planets, other galaxies, other levels of existence that aren't even physical.
1: Mm-hmm. So before we went to the break, I was curious, Sky. have you ever had a particular experience that was almost sort of mind-blowing for you, um, where you use astrology or magic um, to help yourself or somebody else out? Was any one particular experience that stands out?
3: Well, I have experiences all the time, but there's one really nice one that I I would like to share with you. Um, I had a woman who contacted me because she had a fear that she had a health issue that was going undiagnosed, and she'd been to many doctors and no one could find anything wrong with her, and yet she had the feeling that there was something wrong with her. And she was pregnant at the time, and everybody kept saying, oh, all the things you're experiencing are just caused by your pregnancy. And so I did a chart for her, and I could see uh, very clearly a lot of confusion going on in it. Um, I'm not a medical astrologer, so it's not something that I normally would have sought out. But I could see that she was not getting clarity from anybody and she had no clarity herself so I kept urging her not to take anybody's advice to follow uh, any, any advice she was getting at the time and to follow her own inner instincts until she really felt comfortable and it turned out that she actually did have uterine cancer while she was pregnant and so they did an immediate uh... uh... Cesarean and delivered the baby early and the baby was fine. It had not been infected. And she then went through treatment, and she was okay, and the baby was okay. And it really was one of the high points for me in my career as an astrologer to have been able to um, help her to get the advice and the treatment and the diagnosis that she needed. Yeah. And it was a happy outcome. So that was, yeah, that was one of the real biggies for me.
1: That That's amazing. I guess if you have an experience like that, someone has an experience like that with someone like you, um, does one start to go buy astrology for everything?
3: Do I buy astrology for everything? No, no,
1: does does one, after having a profound experience like that, say to themselves, wow, I have to do everything by by astrology. I need to moderate and guide my life completely. Is there almost like a conversion um, after such a profound experience? Well...
3: I don't think we can separate ourselves from the influences of the planets and the sun and the moon and everything else that's going on in the cosmos around us. I don't necessarily get up every day and say, oh, what's going on with me now and what do I have to be aware of, et cetera, et cetera, although I uh, will do a, a little mini tarot reading for myself every morning to say what do I need to pay attention to today, and I'm aware of generally speaking what's going on in terms of the planetary cycles and the moon and all that at all the you know every day but i don't um i wouldn't say i am totally regimented toward that or that i would say everybody has to live their whole lives according to this i think it's good to just be generally aware of what's going on it depends on what's happening in your life or what your intentions are at any particular time. You know, it's like if you're living in Vermont and you're planting tomatoes, you want to plant them probably in June, not in March, because you're going to have a better chance of them surviving. So I see astrology in the same way. If you're kind of aware of what's going on astrologically, you can make plans that will be more likely to develop in the ways that you want them to. But that doesn't mean I have to... Spend every minute wondering and worrying and thinking about what's going on with all the planets. I can tell you where they are today, but I, you know, I might not pay attention to it for another couple of days and won't think about it at all.
2: It would be a practice then. I, I like to pull cards or find out about my chart for information purposes, and if it feels right for me, I keep it if not, I put it on a shelf for later use or see if it even manifests itself.
3: It's just yeah, good. Yeah, it's know. a good idea to keep a journal, and maybe you do too. Maybe you keep track of um, things like that that you're experiencing, and you can come back to them later on, even if it doesn't make any sense to you at the time. It right. might later on.
2: Yeah, you do that. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I information is good. Uh, it doesn't mean that it. It's right in that moment, but it may be later down the road for sure. Mm
3: -hmm. Or you just may not understand it in the moment, and later on you will, and it'll come clear.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: That happens to me at least.
1: Yeah, I probably think about journaling every single day, um, and I just can't get myself to do it. The idea of of writing down your dreams or just journaling out things that happen, I think that's really, conceptually, it's a great idea. Um, to be able to reflect and look back on it. And I think, AJ, like what you're saying, that's really fascinating to see how effective um, whatever methodology you're using is. Well, it
3: may not be right
4: for
2: you. Yeah, journaling is a commitment. It's a practice. Uh, I have a daily practice where that is something that I do. But I also like to see because, you know, when she brought up the different moon phases, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a, I'm a moon girl through and through and I feel different things during different cycles of the moon and I, I take note of that because the next month I'll know what's going to come up for me and how I'm going to be feeling either physically, energetically, emotionally, any of it.
3: Yeah, I agree. I do the same thing and I can always tell when the moon shifts into another sign which happens about every two and a half days.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So, you know,
0: no purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Now, you being a Pisces sun person, you're very sensitive. And so you may be able to pick up on all that stuff much more so than I, I don't know, uh, Alan, I don't know what your sign oh. stuff is. But, all
1: I know is that I'm a Virgo. Uh, you're what? A Virgo.
3: Virgo sun?
1: I don't know. I just know I'm a Virgo.
3: You don't know what your moon is?
1: I have no idea.
4: Oh, we got to get
2: you on track, Alan.
3: <laughs> it's good to know. Yeah, but but particularly people who, like Pisces, is, in my opinion, is the most sensitive of all signs. So yeah. you, AJ, are likely to be able to experience the shift in energy very, even if they're very subtle, mm-hmm. and in a more profound way than many other people will. So, I yeah, agree. I think. Yeah, you you notice that?
2: Oh, absolutely, yes. Uh, I I feel energy very easily. Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: My moon sign is in Pisces, so I do the same thing. I can always tell when the moon shifts from one sign to another, and you know if you just are aware of it, sometimes you can you can plan around that if you will.
1: Yes. Well, I do like the moon.
3: Do <laughs> <laughs> You like the moon? <laughs> is is the moon out where you are now?
1: Um, is I can't see. Enough? Um, it should be, but I can't see. Um, <laughs> Of course in New York, you know, even on a supposedly clear night, it's not exactly clear. Um, but yeah, you no, can see the moon. Uh, if you're just tuning in, this is Alan B. Smith on Paranormal Now on KGRA Radio. My co host is AJ Rasmussen, host of Soul Wanderings. And our guest is a very special Sky Alexander. And if you want to find out more about Sky, you can go to skyalexander.com. Um, okay, so. I, I, I want to know sky what kind of rituals do you do um, on a daily basis you know what what do you do you crystal work um, aromatherapy things that help center you spiritually
3: yeah well I um, I start off with doing meditation and chakra clearing mm-hmm. I do sun salutations um, yoga sun salutations Um I sometimes do crystal work with my meditation. Sometimes I don't. It depends on how I feel at any particular time. I do a um, a brief, usually, tarot reading, and then I read from something like the Tao Te Ching or uh, the I Ching or some other sort of spiritual uh, uplifting source of guidance. Mm -hmm. And then I... Finally, after I've fortified myself with all this, I might go and read the news and read my email and all that <laughs> daily stuff, but uh, and then my... later on in the day, I'll do another set of, of yoga and meditation um, before bed.
1: Well, that, that that's funny because my follow-up question was going to be, is that all in one day?
3: Is that that's... All in one... Yeah, that's every day. Yeah. And then depending on the weather, I might go for a walk. I mean, right now it's too <laughs> hot in Texas to go for long walks, but... Um, yeah, so that that's part of my, that's my spiritual practice that is everyday stuff. Mm-hmm. And then depending on what else seems to come up or what else I need to do, I might, uh, as I said, I might work with crystals or I might work with other types of, um, I might do magic of some sort. Um, yeah, there, there are a variety of things, but those are the basics.
1: Hmm. Very nice. I go through my phases um, it sort of wax and wanes with meditation and I usually when I do meditate it's probably close to around five to ten minutes um, when you are you very consistent in your practices or do you also sort of wax and wane and and when you if you do can you feel a difference in in, in yourself
3: yes and yes uh-huh. <laughs> um, I think that even five to 10 minutes a day of meditation is good. And the, not everybody is cut out to do, you know, hour long meditations or two hour long meditations or, you know, to sit for all day, you know, like some, um, you know, very advanced Buddhist meditators might do. So whatever works for use, meditation also does not mean you have to sit in a lotus position and chant um, uh, you, you can go for a walk, you can swim, you can look at the sunset, which I'm doing right now as we talk. Um, you know, you can listen to music. There, you can, there are many active meditations that some people find more appealing if they aren't the kinds of people who can sit in one place for a long time and just quiet their minds. Some people are much better off at, at doing something like a walking meditation or um, raking a Zen garden. I used to have a labyrinth that I had built uh, and I walked my labyrinth a couple times a day and that was a wonderful meditation. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I have one book you may be aware of called The Best Meditations on the Planet. Very, you know, very modest, right? I didn't come up with that title. <laughs> uh, it was my editor's choice. But it has a hundred different types of meditations mm-hmm. which are also backed up by Scientific studies and studies at various health institutes and universities, etc. And many of them are things that involve active uh, participation, not just sitting in one place. So you might try those and see if they work better for you.
1: Mm-hmm. AJ, do you, do you do meditations daily?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. My, I, I'll sit quietly, as she said, for, you know, I go about 10 to 20 minutes, but I also have crystal play time where that's very meditative for me, and I do a lot of art journaling, where I do yeah, a lot of... work. art
3: journaling is really good. Yeah. So, and those are the things I do course, every day.
2: which is...
3: I'm sorry,
2: go ahead. Frank, oh, no, that's great. I love calligraphy.
3: And that's a wonderful form of meditation, yes. just... Because you have to focus on every single stroke you make. And it's
4: mm-hmm. very,
3: very slow and very calm and very uh, dedicated.
2: Yes. I'm actually a hand lettering artist. And oh, you that, are. when I say art journaling, oh, cool. I do a lot of doodling and handwriting and painting. So uh-huh. it's all very meditative.
3: It's, Wonderful meditation.
1: Yeah, it's so good. Uh,
3: mm-hmm.
1: Well, Skye, are you on any social media sites?
3: Am I like, on a, an official media site?
1: Uh, social media, like Instagram or Twitter or Facebook.
3: Just Facebook, and I'm trying to get away from that because it's, it's causing me more stress than happiness these days. So, no, I am not on Instagram. I don't do Twitter. A lot of these things I have to say over the last year, well, not so much Instagram, but um, have taken on sort of a negative connotation, I think,
4: mm-hmm. for
3: me. And I've really kind of pulled away from it because of all the negativity that, um, and the uncertainty that seems to be connected with it. So I am on Facebook, but that's the only one that I'm on now, and it's very limited. And I usually use it only to stay in touch with, you know, friends I don't see often and to announce things like our talk tonight.
1: Right, right. See, I yes, I feel similarly. I love certain aspects of social media and I loathe certain aspects of social media and I, I kind of, <laughs> I go back and forth with it. Um, but AJ, yeah, you were mentioning your, your art and uh, you're on Instagram and you post some really cool stuff. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, ha- I had your soul 11, uh, soul 11, soul wanderings 111 is on Instagram, but your personal, um, what's the one where you're posting the art?
2: Uh, my personal one is called AJ RAS, R-A-S, Art, A-R-T. That's more personal. I have some art in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a greeting card line that I'm coming out with my hand lettering. That's called Create a Happy Day. And that's createahappyday.com as well as the same on Instagram, Facebook, all of that. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a love-hate relationship with social media myself. It's not my favorite, but it's the greatest way to get the word out there on what you're doing and have people connect with you. So
3: what medium do you use if, uh, in your, in your work? Are you an acrylic watercolor?
2: Yep. Both acrylic. I do mix media mostly. Uh, uh-huh. but I, I do play a lot with uh, acrylic and watercolor m- for the most part. And of course, pens I have, a plethora of different types of pens <laughs> for the yeah, for the cap lettering. Yes,
3: great! I started doing a tarot deck, designing a tarot deck. <gasps> oh, using, yeah,
2: so cool!
3: Using gouache, and I got about halfway through. It's seventy-eight paintings I have to do, so I'm only about halfway through. But it's a it's an interesting project.
2: Is that something that you'll be publishing?
3: If I ever finish them I still couldn't <laughs> have thirty five
2: to go. <laughs> I understand. I've I've tried uh, to create several decks myself and I get halfway through and kinda of lose the interest. But that would be really neat. You also have a ton yeah. of a ton of books that you've written. Are you planning to write quite a bit more or where are you at on that process? Yeah, I have a lot too. I've
3: had about three hundred I guess over the years, but I've given most of them away. I only have about
1: 10 now that I use. 10 books that you use?
2: Which, what are you talking about? What do you use? Are you talking about your decks?
3: Oh, my deck is gouache.
2: Yeah, she's using gouache as her
1: medium, Alan, is what
2: she's saying. She's talking about the decks of her cards.
3: Gotcha,
1: okay.
2: I think there might have been a little disconnect there.
1: Yeah, when you're using decks, how much does it matter what deck you use? I mean, is it personal? Does it change the effectiveness of a, of a, of a deck?
3: Well, there are probably, oh, I would guess 75,000 decks out there at least. When I first wrote my first astrology book about 20 years ago, mm-hmm. there were 40,000 and so I'm guessing now that it's probably almost doubled that. But um, does it matter? Well, I think what's most important is that you relate to the deck. Does this appeal to you? Does this speak to you? Can you get insights from whatever images you see there? Because uh, the two most popular decks um, are the uh, Rightweight Smith deck, which has was published, I think, first in 1909 has never been out of print since then. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a lot of decks have evolved from that. Then the Thoth deck, which was created by Alistair Crowley, um, is the second most popular deck. And I don't relate to that one at all. I've never been able to use it. It just doesn't appeal to me. And there are many decks that I don't like and some that I really love and I use them all the time. So it's it's a very very personal
4: thing, right? What right. speaks
3: to you?
2: The cool thing about tarot, Alan, just so you know, because you're not familiar with it, is there's always seven to eight cards in each deck, and the art is different, but the cards mean the same thing. So an Eight of Wands is always going to mean what the Eight of Wands means. Yeah,
1: yeah. Right. So if, but for some reason, a certain deck may not resonate mm-hmm.
2: with you. It's probably just the artwork or the energy that was put into it that yeah yeah the reason why it's not resonating with you.
1: Can energy be?
3: If you're looking at the traditional meanings of the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, they are going to be pretty much the same. Regardless, as A.J. said, regardless of what the artwork is, they will pretty much be the same. Okay. Um, although early decks did not have the storytelling images that the, were introduced by the uh, Rider-Waite-Smith deck. Mm-hmm. They were usually just numbers and the symbols for whatever the suit was. They didn't have all the storytelling images that we're familiar with now.
2: Right. They were more like playing cards, weren't they?
3: Well, the playing cards are much like the um, the minor arcana. The major arcana are different from that. But, yeah, you can, you can, it's believed, there's not total agreement on this, but it's believed that the minor arcana evolved from um, card games, a type of, uh, Tuachi, which was a type of card game that was played in Renaissance Europe.
2: Interesting. Have you ever practiced playing card astrology before, or are you familiar with it? It's called playing card astrology. No, nice. so I don't even know what that is. Yeah, Sounds we cool. a, yeah we have a class coming up this week at, at my shop, and I am very interested in learning what it's about. I was just curious if you knew what it was.
3: No, I don't. So. What do you do? You ask a question and you have an astrology yeah. deck that you draw from or what?
2: It's actually a playing card set and I'm not uh-huh. sure how it works. I'm going to have to take the class. <laughs>
3: yeah. I mean, you can you can read with playing cards. They're just not as much fun. Yeah. And
2: definitely. they're more
3: limited and the, the court cards are limited. You know, you don't have the page, for example.
4: Mm.
3: And a regular playing card deck. Right. Deck, a right. poker deck
1: so if somebody gives you a tarot card deck, bestows it upon you, does their energy transfer over somehow through that deck and affect its use in any way?
3: Well, many people, including me, believe that if you read with a deck and you handle a deck, you put your energy on the cards. Mm -hmm. So what I would do is if I were reading for someone else, usually I, I don't read for others with the same deck that I read for myself. And I have another deck that I use for magic. So I, they're separated. But if I were to read for someone else, I would cleanse the deck in between each reading so that another person's energy did not influence the next person's reading.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. Is that what you would do too, yeah. Jay?
2: Oh, for sure, because... I mean it's important when they have when you're doing a reading on someone you want those cards to be cleared and mm-hmm. have their energy. I actually like the person to shuffle the deck themselves and put their energy and their questions and intention into the deck before we pull the cards so it is yeah. all of their energy as well.
3: Yeah, I agree.
1: So I guess that's the the idea of it is that the the energy sort of directs where the cards are going to yeah. To be so when you turn them over um, yeah. and so what if you do a back to back right what if you do a, a tarot card reading um, so it's the first time you sit down I shuffle the, the deck right I give it to you Sky and then you do your thing and then I, and then you want to do another one right after that wouldn't the cards for someone come else up di- for you? oh I don't know yourself or someone else did it again for me wouldn't the cards come up differently and w- what would that mean
3: Okay, well, if I were doing a reading for you
4: mm-hmm.
3: and we finished our reading um, before I read for someone else, if I were going to use the same cards again, I would cleanse them before I had anybody else touch them to take your energy off those cards so that, as AJ said, they would be you know purified for, uh, for the next person. And then I would expect to get... Uh, an entirely different reading for the next person based on what was going on in his or her life and what that person wanted to know about or what the concerns surrounding that particular reading were. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would be highly unlikely to get the same reading that I got for you for another person later on. Now, if I did the same reading, if I did another reading for you back to back, I probably get the same stuff unless you were asking about something entirely different.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay, because I guess.
3: However, yeah, here's, here's one thing that's oh, kind no. of cool. Um, Let's say I just asked you to draw, or, or you just drew a card mm-hmm. based on what was going on um, in your in the forefront of your mind at that particular time. Okay. If you did not change the way you felt or thought about something or related to it, you might draw that same card or a similar card again right after that. But if you were to change the way you felt about something or the way you perceived something and were willing to to relate to it, you could get an entirely different reading 10 minutes later because you had altered your approach and your relationship to the whole situation. I see. Yes? Yeah,
1: Yeah, that does make sense. Um, like anything in life, once you've thought about something and you approach it again, your your approach is going to be a little bit different.
3: Yeah, the same true with runes or with the Ching or any oracle.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. So in all in all of this, what is the one source of spiritual inspiration or um, divine energy source for you?
3: Wow, that's a big question. (laughs) Well, I guess I would just say, I mean, I refer to it as goddess because, um, you know, that's my Wiccan path, speaking, Mm -hmm. but I just feel that I am guided by a divine source, uh, that I am connected to that source at all times, and that there are many, many helpers Many guides, many uh, advisors out there who are always pitching in and looking out for me, and I just um, try to stay open to them, be respectful of them, and ask for their guidance and trust that they're going to be there. I don 't know that I could narrow it down to one specific entity, mm-hmm. but I think of of um, the whole universe is being populated. With beings of all sorts at all levels, who are with whom I'm connected at some, in some way.
1: Yeah, well, I guess then, in a sense, you're saying that it doesn't really matter. Let's say you're Catholic; you have a particular saint that you that you pray to. Um, it it doesn't matter necessarily the the particular entity or person or what have you it's it's still a conduit to the source.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, to me, that's true. Now, I do feel that I have um, sort of a little core group, if you will, mm-hmm. of spirit guides that are with me at all times, and they all play different kinds of roles in my life, and they all have different names, and they have different sorts of energies that I uh, that I experience when I communicate with them. I mean, two of them are beings that are there just to try to lighten me up a little bit and make my life more happy. And then I have um, Protector Spirit who always uh, is there to, you know, get my back. And so I have sort of this core group, and that's actually a talk for another uh another session if you're open to it, because there's a whole lot that I've written about. I've written a couple books that have not yet been published about those subjects. So maybe we can, uh, look at that at a later date.
1: Oh, please do. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know, um, when those books come out. I'd love to talk about that.
3: Yeah. Keeping my fingers crossed.
1: (laughs) All right. We'll keep the mystery going. Um, yes. So, so for, for me, um, it doesn't matter, I think, what what one uses um, to get to the to the source, um, but like you, we were talking about earlier, the intention is the most important thing behind all of that. And In my I, my
4: opinion, yes.
1: And I, I guess, I wonder. I'm referring to the source, whatever you want to call it—the matrix, God, what have you, mm-hmm. the universe without a capital U. Um. If that is good, if that is love and compassion or what have you, um, isn't the the darker side of life also drawn from that same place?
3: Is it drawn from the same place? Yeah,
1: dark magic, dark energy. I think we only
3: have two forces, love and fear, and that... Too often when we're here on Earth in a limited physical form with limited vision, we can't see the big picture and we aren't necessarily always in touch with all of the greatness that is available to us. And so we sometimes, um, you know, succumb to fear. We succumb to pettiness. We get wrapped up in all kinds of things that cause us stress or strife or whatever, I don't think that that is real. I think it's a manifestation of our ideas and our um, emotions and interactions, but I don't think they are of the same thing. I think that love is the greater... um, It's our home. It's our existence. It's where we come from, and that all the other stuff is because we have... Limited possibilities when we're
4: here on Earth, mm-hmm.
3: but, but that's just my opinion. I don't know. What do you think, AJ?
2: Now yeah. I agree with you definitely. I I'm nodding my head up and down as you share. I'm in agreement completely.
4: Yeah, I,
1: I guess that's the tough thing, right? Is that the the choices that we have um, determine the sort of energy that we create and there's, for me, I'm I'm always I have I have compassion for or an empathy because I know from my own personal experience that my mind is as it is because of programming, the environment I grew up in, whatever genetics I was given, epigenetics, um, conditioning, and so forth. So, can you use? Astrology to shake yourself out of those habits and those patterns that sometimes feel like a a force that's stronger than you?
3: Well, I would go back to the idea that knowledge is power. And the more you are aware of the forces that are influencing you, whether those are cosmic forces, planetary forces, the forces of Um, you know, your heritage or the forces that you are experiencing in your daily life, the more you are aware of that, the better off you're going to be and the more opportunity you will have to counter those those things that you aren't really happy with and that aren't making you happy in your life. Now, it's a constant struggle. It's a constant challenge. I mean, that's why we're here on Earth is to, you know, face challenges and to learn from them, I think. Um, but yeah, yeah I, astrology plays into it, but we we often, astrologers often say the planets don't compel, they impel, which means that, yes, you're going to feel uh, during a Saturn transit a lot of heaviness, a lot of limitations, burdens, responsibilities, yada, yada, yada that doesn't mean that you can't do something constructive with that.
4: Right. But if
3: you're aware of it and you know when it's coming and how long it's going to last, you can work with it constructively.
1: Well, Sky, we're coming up at the very end here. Um, this has been a fantastic conversation. Now, AJ and I on both of our programs at the end of the show ask a similar question often. So, AJ, do you want to ask that question of Sky?
2: <laughs> I'm not sure which question you're referring to, but um, let's see. Like a favorite quote or a book or something like that.
1: Yeah. Or what I what I what I ask on occasion is: Is there anything, Sky, that you haven't um, mentioned tonight that you would like to leave us with?
2: There you go.
3: I would like to leave it with the idea that we are all here together. We're all in this whole thing together. Everything that. You do influences me, influences AJ, influences everybody else. It's all part of a huge matrix. And if we can realize that, then we can be kinder to each other. We can be compassionate. We can be helpful. We can learn from each other, and we can be open to the possibilities that are presented to us, knowing that, you know, it, it's all one. We're all one.
4: All
1: right. Well, thank you so much, Sky. Oh, I really beautiful. appreciate it.
3: Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It's been great talking with you both. You're so wonderful. Thank you for sharing
2: time with us.
1: (laughs) It's been fantastic. And thanks, AJ, for co-hosting with me tonight. Uh, Yeah, if you want to find out more about um, AJ, just go to kjrradio.com and go to Soul Wanderings, Um, And then Sky, go to skyalexander.com. Uh, Stay tuned for Fade to Black with Jimmy Church in just a moment. You've been listening to Paranormal Now, broadcasting live Tuesdays, 8 to 10 p.m. EST on Radio.com, your official contact for the best in alternative talk radio. And next week, join us for Kieran Woodhouse, and we will be talking about everything paranormal, but primarily ghost hauntings in the UK. Um, And at the top of the show, Michael Eight from Septembrio, who provides our bumper music often, he and I will be talking about Stranger Things just two days before the show drops. Um, this is Alan B. Smith. Thank you all once again, and until next time, live in the mystery.
4: I can find